0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester, along with Paul Pack, and the founder of SpotTrack.com, the place you go for all your sports contract information and projections on free agents, which we're going to talk about today. Mike Giannetti here. Mike, um, we're going to move away from football this week completely. We're not going to talk about football. Are you okay with that? I'm okay with that. I'm okay, a baseball guy,
1: anyway. So. See, this right. is the benefit of being able to cover so many different sports, like Mike does on Spot Track. Is that we can kind of pick and choose whatever we want to. And if there's nothing really going on and contract wise in football, let's let's talk a little baseball and and NBA, which is what's on the docket for today. Yeah,
0: it was a it was a huge week last week in football, but now that baseball's over, congratulations to. Everybody there with the Houston Astros uh, winning the World Series. Um, now start paying for it. Uh, but you
1: know, <laughs> Not yet, if you remember from last week's spot SpotTrack podcast. True.
0: That's true. But uh, paying for it is what teams do in Major League Baseball and the hot stove. Uh, you know, we're throwing the wood on the hot stove right now, Mike. And just, just overall, how much money do you anticipate being spent this coming offseason in Major League Baseball?
2: Uh, too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah we we took a dive into the numbers from the last couple of years, and really, what we saw last year was a was a huge dip in free agency um, There was about one point three million in spending and and conversely, in two thousand and sixteen we saw 2. 4 you mean bil- billion sorry yeah. billion with a b billion so th- there was a billion dollar difference decrease from you know two years ago to last season, so is that a trend i th- I think we're we 're waiting to see I think that 's something to look at upcoming here um Uh, there's a there's a better free agent market this year so so the numbers should be better but I think overall we may be starting to see a decline in teams making big impact signings this this time of year there
1: will always be teams that will do that and they're generally the big money big market teams but but are you saying that particularly with the Houston Astros as an example there may be a little more trend away from that and and towards the growing of a farm system and developing young prospects and adding more so you don't have to go out and get caught in the buyer spree
2: so so if you look at the past five seasons right especially in the American League we've got the Kansas City Royals the Cleveland Indians the Houston Astros right small markets middle markets let's not say small middle markets but homegrown players for the most part you know player not major contracts at least maybe one or two decent-sized contracts but no elite superstar contracts on those rosters World Series berths, right so so it's certainly doable and teams have seen this. I mean this is the money ball process, right? This is this is kind of build small, build middle and then just hope the production is there at the end of the year. Um, the, the other angle here, you know, and it's kind of what we focused on last week with the with football is are, are trades becoming a better approach for teams? Is it is it a better process for teams either now or in the middle, of, you know, the trade deadline come July? Is that is that a better way for teams to circumvent money a little bit and get players at a time when they really need it you know (laughs) you know you you can say you need a player for 162 games but that's a heck of a long season for a lot of these guys and and, you know we're seeing that even in the the NBA guys take days off and maybe you know kind of limp into the season in terms of getting their approach ready but there's something to be said for how teams are building not just now but in July and is and where does the approach lie in terms of how they're spending their money
0: well it's it's fascinating and you look at the Astros so how they built their team, but yet what put them over the top? That's right. Big money
2: trade. Yeah, Verlander. And and, and really, if, if you kind of look at a couple of research reports I've done on Track the last couple of weeks, most of those, those playoff teams that made it to the end, the majority of their players, their, their starting players, were via trade. So you know, you know, there's a couple of free agent signings, and really, that's I think that's how it's going to happen this year too. Each each of these teams that feel like they have a chance, and that's not everybody, <laughs> you know, they'll go after these big guys, you know, the the U Darvishes, the Jake Arrietas, the, the JD Martinezes. You'll see plenty of teams going after these guys, you know, for the twenty five million dollar mark. But you know, for the most part, it's one and done. Let's get our big guy. Let's get out. Let's 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 think small. Let's think mid range salaries from there.
0: Do you do you also think that? When big free agent contracts are signed, when it comes time, if a team's out of it, there's only a few teams that are willing to that are willing and or able to take on a big contract in the trade. So if a team, uh, Pittsburgh did this years ago, and I forget the pitcher they did it with, and the only the only. The only uh, team they could send it to was the Yankees because they don't want to take on a $20 million contract. Right. Was that A.J. Burnett probably? A.J. Burnett, yeah. yes, yeah. thank you. Uh, I knew you'd know it, Mike. Yeah. Um, but they were like the only team that would be uh, that could take on that contract, be willing to pay uh, what they needed to pay for it, and therefore they limited themselves in the trade market.
2: It's another great way to look at it because, you know, if you're signing this contract, you're signing them mostly for your team, you know, because it's not a tradable contract unless you're willing to eat an outstanding amount of that money to have that player play for somebody else which we've seen you know over and over again with these major contracts in the past that is certainly something that teams are looking to get away from you know that's the dead money essentially that comes in with you know football and those those cap sports so it's something to take into consideration this time of year when these major contracts come in um, and it's why I think you're going to see shorter term contracts be the more popular item, not these 10, 12 year contracts that we've seen in the past 10 years.
1: But it feels like in opposite of what you're talking about, Kevin. It feels like sometimes that's a way out of a contract, you know, whether it's a good one or a bad one, or whether you sign a guy when you feel like you're about to contend and maybe you come up a little short that year. And then all of a sudden in the year or two afterwards, you're no longer a contender. Well, now you got this guy with this big contract that you signed, hoping he would put you over the edge. The trades become a way to get rid of it. and you find out that there's a market like a Houston who would have ever imagined Houston would have made that move for Verlander it completely went against everything they had established as a financial organization but they knew they were close and they knew he could put him over the edge
0: yeah no I I agree but I think you know teams and I'll use Pittsburgh and Burnett they clearly extended themselves to get Burnett in and if it doesn't doesn't work then there's only one or two teams that can take him, and those teams know it and the rest of Major League Baseball knows it. Right. So, you know, what are you getting? You're getting, uh, you know, a, a draft pick, a, a prospect, or you know, a couple prospects that aren't, you know, the five star prospects, because they they know they've got you. You can't you can't afford to pay them. You're losing money, and you want to get rid of that contract.
2: Right. And and even in the in the Verlander situation, right? We're talking about you know money that was paid by Detroit, a ton of money paid by Detroit, middle of the season. Way more feasible for the Astros to take on right now, um, and, but barely doable. Literally with a minute to go, this mm. trade got processed. So, you know, it, it's it's a situation where I think teams may be leaning towards that direction, but but it's very difficult with the current structure of contracts that are out there. Um, you know, a guy like like J.D. Martinez, who, you know, maybe not everybody thinks of him as a superstar, but certainly his production over the past two years makes him a superstar, and he's certainly the best available batter, you know, in the free agent market right now. It's, it's interesting to think about where his head is right now, you know, when, when these big teams, when the Dodgers, when the Cardinals, when, when, when these teams come calling, you know, does he want to be locked in for eight years with the St. Louis Cardinals or, or is he, would he rather, you know, max out with two years than have the choice to be able to go where he wants to go. And again, again, so, you know, it's, it's an economy of do the teams want to lock themselves in because a, they don't want to pay that long-term contract. B, it becomes an untradable contract but also, I think from the player perspective, they're looking at it the exact same way. You know, I, I don't want to be locked into one franchise for, for X number of years, and we're seeing that across many of the sports, really. If you were
1: with us last week, that is now being officially referred to as the Kirk Cousins approach. You
2: got it. Right? One, one and done. Pay me, pay me all the money you can pay me, and then let me go.
0: A couple uh, more things uh, with baseball as free agency uh, and contracts. I'd love to see the contract, and, and who got the, the the better end of the contract between Verlander and Kate Upton? Uh, <laughs> Uh, because isn't her earning potential greater moving forward than Verlander?
2: You know, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I looked into this. Um, oh gosh, she. she her, I knew it. Her, I knew of course it. You did. This was this was not discussed before we got here. So, so according to a, a couple of those, you know, celebrity worth websites out there, she's she's worth twenty million dollars. Okay. And okay. Justin Verlander made twenty eight million dollars this year. Wow. Right. And will next year, and will the year after that? How's that so, for a power couple? So you know. I think they're both pretty happy where they are but uh you know there's actually there's one breadwinner in that in that couple right now
0: <laughs> well but she but you know what are her future earnings I don't know. I don't know what the the career span of a swimsuit model is, but um, yeah,
1: we don't have those kind of projections. Yeah, project. no. You know Probably what? Probably not much different than a starting pitcher, huh? I, <laughs> right?
0: I think it was a pretty good week for Justin Verlander. That's, I think uh, <laughs> it was. Yes, I think it was. Well, we
1: we brought up free agency. Um, We're at that time of the year, as you have dived into projections, Mike. I see three projected twenty million dollar a year players in this round of free agency.
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a much better class than we looked at last year. It was a, it was a really tough year last year in terms of the offseason and the players that were available, um, you know, kind of led by Jonas Cespedes. This year is a little bit more balanced, a little bit more spread out. Um, we saw nine players get tagged with a qualifying offer from their respective teams, which is essentially a $17.4 million tender that makes make, make them a restricted free agent. The teams can now make offers and contracts and put in offer sheets for those players, and uh, the current team can try to match that. So, you know, most of the major players were extended a qualifying offer. One who wasn't, and he's our top-valued pitcher on the market, would be Hugh Darvish with the Dodgers. Um, he's valuing, you know, in terms of a calculation, around $23 million, but, you know, all expectations are that he'll, you know, reach the 26 to $28 million mark just based on his age, production, things like that. So he, he he seems to be the pitcher to, to watch out for this offseason in terms you're, you're of the basing, major contract.
0: You're basing it on everything, not that uh, this last start.
2: Yeah, yeah, we keep. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we're not gonna slap him too hard for two uh, <laughs> tough postseason starts, but yeah, you know, there's a couple. Uh, quite, quite quite frankly, many of these guys were valuing a lot higher six months ago, you know, and a lot of them kind of struggled down the stretch in terms of Arrieta and those players who had you know kind of tough 2017 campaigns. Um, but there's some interesting names we We, we broke down a, a report this morning that 's got ten starting pitchers, ten relief pitchers, and then um, three to four three to five positional players at each position and just kind of put our calculations based on how our formula structures them and uh, a more likely approach to, based on just how the trends have been in the past couple seasons, and really just that free agents always get paid a little bit more than they should this time of year. You know what
1: jumped out at me? Sorry to get Kevin interrupt. You know what jumped out at me looking through the list on at the article on SpotTrack.com is the ages of the players. I think I found one that's less than 28 years old. I, I, tell me if that's just the norm of these guys within their career arc hitting free agency, but there's a lot of guys out there that are over or approaching 30 that are going to get a lot of money that may ultimately not be the best decision teams made.
2: Uh, another reason to to kind of consider shorter term contracts, right? So that that's sort of a that's the animal that the animal that Major League Baseball has built, right? There's a there's a team control process where the second you come into the major leagues, your service begins. For 3 years, you're essentially under the team control, they can pretty much give you the minimum salary that you, for the first three years, and there's really nothing you can do about it. After that, there's three years of arbitration where there's sort of like a, 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 a range of money based on production. So for six years, you're essentially under the team's control, almost like a rookie wage scale for six years. So think about it. if, if you spend three years in the minors out of college, you're 23, 24, 25. Six years before you can hit free agency you know you're talking thirty thirty one thirty two so it, it is normal and it's not ideal really for either right Most of these players, you know w- with the exception of a few really haven 't been paid much of anything in terms of a major contract
1: right the only trade off is baseball careers tend to last a little right. longer than maybe other. I mean we talk about thirty year olds and football as being over the hill that that's not the case in the in well, major league be, baseball
0: be fair to say that it, it's out of all the major sports, it's the one sport where you get paid for what you've done, and not what your, you know, what your future is.
2: It, it is, it is, and, and 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 there's a shift in that though, right? There's a shift, especially with pitchers, and pitchers are are the one where where the age will come into play because there's a major major look at you know how much that arm has been used, right? If they're a four year college pitcher with three years in the minors, you know that that arm has seen some time, so. With all these Tommy John surgeries and these, these, these different elbow and shoulder you know, injuries coming up every year with these major players, it's becoming a real concern, especially for you know, the guys that are 31, 32 years old hitting free agency. So it's something to look at. There, there is going to be a shelf life, and it is getting smaller and smaller based on how things have looked.
0: Actually, my 12 year old schedule for Tommy John surgery next <laughs> week, I'm getting ahead of time. So it's already yeah, You're it hoping they'll
1: inject one of Tommy John's ligaments and get him to be able to throw a curveball. <laughs> they right? usually come back better after that. So. I
0: actually it, it, when I lived in Charlotte, uh Tommy John um did the uh broadcast there and they had a bobblehead night where they gave out Tommy John it was sponsored by, you know, some company. They did a Tommy John bobblehead. It had the scar perfect on the elbow. Brilliant. Now he came here to speak. Um and he's doing a speech and I gave it to somebody who's um organized it I couldn't go but I just thought hey this would be cool it's you know I just be cool to have Tommy John sign this thing right he refused to sign really? it really they did it without his permission apparently uh-huh. and he refused to sign it so but it was just a cool looking because the, the arm was bobbling just like the head that's and, awesome and it had the scar on and, the elbow <laughs> and by the way
1: because we know we likely have some younger listeners to this podcast I do feel the need to, to, to explain that Tommy John was actually a great pitcher who was the first guy to ever have the elbow ligament yeah. relocation surgery done which is why it's referred to and now it's become like Kleenex you just hear he's having Tommy John surgery and I bet you a lot of the younger baseball fans don't yeah. know what you're talking about it's named after yeah. Tommy who was an outstanding left-handed starting pitcher in the 70s and
0: 80s. It's just like another common surgery fellows have Bill Vasectomy was the guy. They did. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs>
1: that's, a,
0: that's actually not that true.
1: Wrapping up with baseball, before we move on to our cap fact, Mike, uh, just update a little bit of everybody on where the big salaries are in baseball right now as they start to hear these numbers being thrown around for comparison's sakes.
2: Well... That conversation aside, pitchers still do kind of win the top salaries, right? You still got your Kershaws and your Grinkies and those players still making $35 million a year. So, you know, we we talk about how things may be pushing back a little bit, but you know, there's still plenty of players making a ton of money. There's some 40 some players, you know, set to make $20 million this year next year. So on average. So, you know, there's going to be more than that, you know, quickly after the couple of weeks of free agency here. So, you know, baseball is alive and well, you know, there's plenty of reason to think that, you know, these salaries are only going to get bigger and bigger, you know, but it's something to think about in terms of how these teams are getting smarter and maybe shorter contracts are in play, you know, will there ever be a point to where there's a cap and not, not a salary cap, but a cap to, to where this spending will just have to stop, you know, Bryce Harper is being promoted, promoted as a $500 million player. You know, I can't, I can't see that, you know, that's not, that's not where my projections go in terms of baseball. You know, I, I just think there's going to be a a point where it'll level off a little bit, you know, especially with, you know, production really coming down too. you know, I mean, you're seeing guys hitting 50 home runs, but batting 210, right? So, you know, what are you paying for, you know? So there's going to be a point where I think the sport will kind of come to the money ball will kind of come into play. And we've, we've shown that in the past couple of seasons in terms of the playoffs, that that kind of style can work. So, you know, like I said, maybe one or two guys on each team will have a a nice, big, fat salary. But everybody else really should be young,
1: inexpensive, and more for the long term. Today's Cap Fact. Well, let's talk a little NBA now, Mike, and NBA contract extensions. And I know this is something that you watch on a regular basis, and we've already talked about it on the podcast of just how staggering NBA salaries are getting and are going to be. But when you compile the numbers like you have for today's cap fact, uh, it it does jolt you as any normal person And when you hear the kind of numbers that are being thrown around.
2: Yeah, so we, we kind of dove into free agency with our first episode here, and uh, I kind of brought it full circle and just kind of looked at the entire offseason and really how much money was actually coming in. And really, when I broke it down, all I had to look at was these contract extensions, right? So many of their teams looked at their current roster and said, "Well, if we extend him now, maybe we'll save money not having to extend him in two years," which seems smart. But what it came came down to is 10 contract extensions, 10 players for a combined 1.1 $1. $1. $1 billion in guaranteed Ten money. 10 Players. You're talking about an average contract of 4 years for 110 million dollars wow. for these players. And this is money that they won't even see for 2 years, right? They've got they've got salaries this year and next year and then it'll kick in. So 10 players 1.1 billion. So you throw that with 2.2 billion in free agent contracts. and the NBA since July 1st, has seen $3.3 billion in guaranteed money sent to their players.
1: That's crazy. It's amazing. And, and you have, have talked about how the fact that NBA revenues are going to skyrocket in the next couple of years and contracts thus will go along with them. And that's that. what you're saying is there's these projections of what revenues are going to be two years down the road, which is why these contracts are reaching those levels. It is. And, and, and really,
2: that $2.2 billion in free agency was with a decent – free agent class. Uh, What's coming next year is is, this is the calm before the storm. And we've we've got most of the major players in the league set to hit free agency next year. You're talking LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, Paul George. That's five. I mean, that's going to be a billion dollars right there. (laughs) Right. I mean, let's be honest here. So might be two. Yeah. So it
1: might be more than a billion, you know,
2: take the numbers with what you will right now, but come back next year, because this is going to be in terms of a 2 year span just an absurd amount of money for that league.
0: You know, you think about all the money that players would make, you'd think their shoes would cost a whole lot less. Would <laughs> I mean, you, know, yes, you would think. I mean, you know, I I say that jokingly, but you know, uh, you know, the the amount of money that the shoes cost, they're paying the athletes with that <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of paying the athletes, Mike, I feel like when you say what the, what you just said, I feel like you, you, I want to have you answer the question for me and everybody else, which is those guys wouldn't be getting that money if somebody wasn't making that money. Where are the revenues gen- being generated on the NBA level that are allowing these contracts to be paid and willingly paid?
2: So the easy answer is everywhere. Okay? This is a league that has done everything right in terms of making themselves a complete entity over the past 15 years. Um, you know, say what you will about David Stern, but he had this thing completely right from the start in terms of globalizing, in terms of marketing, in terms of the That's the big one. The globalization the brand, is big. Multiple TV networks. I mean, he this league has had it right from the get-go,
0: and uh, they are flourishing because of it right now. Yeah, they're they are truly a worldwide league, and there's a lot of media rights worldwide. Sure. They hold a lot of those rights. And they have the benefit of
1: being a worldwide sport that... That predated them being in the NBA, but they're accepting
0: for
2: that too. Absolutely, they, they've no always question. been accepting of that. They you haven't know, tried to you know, you know pin the, it down.
1: The NFL, in attempts to be global, has had to force a sport to places where they don't play the sport. The NBA, his basketball, is played all over the world. It's only become more popular partly due to what the NBA has done. and I guess we should
2: done. you know give a shout out to the Olympics as well because right, that's absolutely a certain, good point. That is certainly you know an easy way to market your uh, your sport is to you know put twenty of your best players of all time over you know. In a, diff- in a different role than say, here we are. So uh, ben, that's certainly a big deal.
0: The yep. dream team was the owner's dream, not necessarily the player's dream or USA Basketball's dream. Time now for the contract of the week. All right, for our contract of the week, we're going to the Miami Marlins. Derek Jeter's Miami Marlins. Giancarlo Stanton. This is an astronomical contract. Will it be an astro Nomical contract.
1: <laughs> wow, you're so, on a roll today, by I am, the way. I'm like
0: butter, baby. Yeah. So, so this is
2: one of those contracts when when it gets reported, you think, okay, th- that's a typo. And even I did, right? And I've been doing this for almost 10 years now. Thirteen years, $325 million. Now you see that and you're in football and you think, oh yeah, but only, you know, one million is guaranteed. No, that's this is baseball. <laughs> this is money he's going to be paid by somebody over the next, you know, 13 years. So, you know, this is a situation where it's unique because obviously it's backloaded, like you know most baseball contracts would be. He's so he's only made thirty million of that in three years, and I'm saying only with a grain of sure, salt, obviously, sure. um, in the grand scheme of things. The, the, why this is important right now is Derek Jeter and company have come in and said, "Okay, well, we're, you know we're going to do things our way," and they've essentially put him on the trade block, which seems ridiculous because who's going to take on three hundred million dollars? Um, I think somebody will. I do think he will get traded, if not this year, if not this summer. By this time next year, I think there will be Gene Carlos Stanton on a new team. What's interesting after that is, and what's becoming more popular with these massive contracts is, there's a player option after 2020 for Gene Carlos Stanton, which... You know a lot of a lot of players have been exercising in past couple of years to get themselves back to free agency to kind of start over The problem with this is he'll make seventy seven million over the next three seasons, which is phenomenal. But if he opts out of this contract, he will be opting out of two hundred and eighteen million dollars, which if we're at a point where that's something he's thinking about doing, where are we? Right. Where are we? In well, baseball? that's
1: my first thought. Is he going to opt out of it because he thinks he can make more at that point?
2: I, I think the only reason to opt out is to make yourself tradable, movable, right? Now you want to, you want to go somewhere. You want to, you want to be on a better contract in terms of flexibility for both the team and him. But I can't see a position where, where any human being would opt out of $218 million. Yeah.
0: Uh, If I'm his agent, I am begging him not to opt out of $218 million. Yeah, now
1: let me ask you this. Is the fact that that player opt out is part of the deal make him more a viable trade option for a team that would acquire him that may essentially be able to find out Hey, we're gonna get you. We want you for the next three years, two years, whatever it is, but we don't want you for thirteen years, we want you for three, and we know you're going to hint, hint, wink, wink, opt out, and then we'll see where we're at. I mean, the same, is that does that become in the trade talks a discussion of an acquiring team knowing, well, we're not really getting 10 years on this deal, we're getting the next two.
2: The Marlins will certainly sell it that way, okay. Right? I mean, that's certainly how they're going to try to leverage it. But they've got no leverage here because it's, all it, his it's a decision. chess game with Giancarlo. Yeah, he can play the game however he wants. You know, if he's in a position where he's on a great team and you know, and he wants to ride it out for, you know, three hundred million dollars more, he can do that. Um, and I think he should do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How not, How old will he be you know, uh, when he can opt out? Yeah, so he can opt out at thirty. Which is also a nice round number. That's, yeah. they, I mean, they did this right. They knew what they were doing when they structured this deal. the The, the point is, he's got so much leverage um, with this trade, with this contract. But even so, you know, if he opts out of two hundred eighteen million dollars, that'll be a bigger story than anything we've heard, we've talked about with this contract going forward.
0: I, I agree with you. Couple things. What there's only a, a few teams, right, that would be willing to take on that deal. Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, Red Sox. Red Sox. Am I missing Cubs, anybody? Maybe the
2: Giants. You know, they, Maybe they've the had Giants, had some bad deals sure. In, in past years. But, yeah, th- those are the teams. I mean, those are the teams you're going to be hearing about in terms of this trade right now. Um, but but I think Paul, to your point, that they're going to have to be ready to take on three hundred million dollars. So if you're going
1: to make a trade yeah. for him, you better have, be ready to assume you may have be on the hook for the next thirteen years.
2: Yeah, because if things go well, I, I can't see him leave, you know leaving this contract.
1: So yeah, you've got to be ready. Is it a negotiable point at all? Like, is it can a team go to Giancarlo and say, hey, we want you, we're ready to. You're, you're the final piece of our puzzle. We want you, but we can't get you if you're going to stay here for thirteen years. Is that a negotiable
2: possibility? <laughs> so what's interesting is this sort of just happened with justin upton out in la they he had an opt-out which he was going to do but they worked out an agreement where they basically took his contract and restructured it which is not a word used in baseball that doesn't happen with baseball contracts but that happened with his contract they took the remaining three years or four years i believe sorry and they they kind of backloaded it so they pushed his current salaries back a little bit and they added a year onto it and added you know 18 million more so so that's an interesting dichotomy, based on where these player options are coming. Because that, if that's if that's a tool teams can use, where you know it's pay Peter to, to you know steal from Peter to pay Paul, so they're going to start pushing salaries back. That's an, that's an interesting situation for even a new team that gets Jim Carl Stanton, because if they can opt out and then restructure a new contract right away, basically you know in in succession, that may be an option that agent player and new team can work out now for later. But. It's called
0: the Bobby Bonilla clause. Yeah, That's it right. sure is. Yeah. You know,
1: nothing against Giancarlo Stanton and all that money that he's due, but I mean, we've seen this happen where guys get impatient on where they are and things don't go the way they thought they would go, and while while we all would say you are crazy to walk away from $218 million, if Giancarlo Stanton knows that he can make pretty much that much for the rest of another 10 years of his career, he might be willing to give him the self the Flexibility back, right?
2: Well, that—that's the word, right? That's that—that's what I think is more important to him. Maybe not his agent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if, if he if he wants to be in a more friendly contract for everybody, which still pays a ton of money, I'm
0: sure, uh, that would be the reason he opt, he's opt out. Right? I'm just going to quick uh, quickly do the math on 218 million. Uh, you know, for an agent, I don't know if that and, fits uh, in your phone. That's right?
1: Like, is there enough digits to fit well, that on? Like, it's
0: enough.
1: It's <laughs> enough. For sure. It's like four point three. But really, 6, we're right. just talking
2: about what, like a four-year NBA contract, now?
1: <laughs> right. That's that's you know what? <laughs> but that's the crazy thing about half the games. You're right. You're right? right. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, at, at at some point, I I think contracts have always been to the to the regular Joe um, a fantasy world of numbers that don't mean anything. But but. Now you're getting to the point where they're they're even crazier. And and the normal person can't even begin to relate to someone who has two hundred and eighteen million dollars left on their contract.
0: The normal person can't uh, relate to the guy who's got two point eight million
1: dollars left <laughs> no, on his contract. You know, it's, the fascinating thing
0: is you're a Miami Marlins fan and Derek Jeter is part of the group that just bought your baseball team and he's trading your favorite player. Yeah, but
1: you're players. all in on Derek Jeter, aren't you? Kind of hard to doubt that Derek Jeter doesn't know what he's doing.
0: Well, you got you got to think he's he's leaning
2: towards that Moneyball system, right? He wants to build from within. He's got a good young crew there. Um, I, I think you know anybody who starts you know with a roster with a contract of three hundred twenty-five million dollars says, "Hey, something went wrong here, probably." Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: well, right, and, yeah. and it's funny because do you think Derek Jeter is a would be a fan of the Moneyball approach? Because that certainly wasn't what he ever played under in New York. But he's a smart enough guy who not understands the business well enough.
2: You know, he was certainly on a team. At an era that paid, but he never maxed out, never. Because Derrick he saw the G- bigger picture. You know, you know when he he almost maxed out it was later in his career, one of his last couple of seasons, and it was almost like a thank you, right, a tribute from the Yankees to him. But he was he was very Tom Brady esque. That's he, the best he, way he to was. Put it. He he was moderate in terms of his extensions. You know he kind of gave himself a small raise just to kind of keep the ball rolling, but. He never
0: maxed out his entire career. All right, we've maxed out our time this week on the Track podcast. Hey, go, go to SpotTrack.com. All the contract information, all the sports, all the players, all the free agent projections are there. The numbers are staggering. They'll continue to grow. But Mike and his crew at SpotTrack.com have all of it for you right here. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.